And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my good friend Aaron Bandler. Uh, we covered a lot. We uh, Well, we started the show by complaining about the uh, ridiculous uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting. Uh, we also made our Super Bowl predictions, which I'm sure uh, will be wrong because I'm terrible at predicting literally anything on this show. Um, we talked about the Biden regime pulling uh, monoclonal antibodies from Florida. Uh, and we did a deep dive on the anti-Semitic um, terrorist attack in Colleyville, Texas earlier this month. Um, Aaron had a great piece over in Jewish Journal on that last week. So we did a deep dive on, on who this guy was and, and what all went down. So I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Aaron, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, if you're on iTunes, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you want to support the show, you can uh, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash NoGimmicksPodcast. All right. Without further ado, the great Aaron Bandler. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Aaron Bandler. Aaron, how you been, man? Can't complain. How about yourself, Brady? I cannot complain either. Well, I could, but I won't. At least not today. At least <laughs> not saying. yet. At least not yet. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have a ton to get to, as always. Um, we're going to talk about your, your cover story from last week's Jewish Journal about the uh, the hostage situation in Colleyville, Texas. Um, and we're going to get to we're going to get to a whole bunch of stuff. But we got to do some sports talk first. Um, crazy week in sports, obviously. I, the first thing I have to mention is that the Baseball Hall of Fame is a complete joke. I mean, it is an <laughs> absolute joke. They voted on, on, on the Hall of Fame yesterday. They, they basically locked out Barry Bonds for life. He's not going to get in. At the same time, they voted in David Ortiz, who also used steroids. So it's like he wasn't a douchebag about it like Barry Bonds was. But, like, I can't respect the Hall of Fame if the home run king is not in. I mean, the, the all-time hits leader, Pete Rose, is out because he bet on baseball. A-Rod's not in. Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling. All, like, uh, how can we even take the Baseball Hall of Fame seriously at this point? We can't. We can't, you know. And, look, I mean, I'm obviously a big Giants fan, and Barry Bonds was my childhood hero growing up. So, obviously, I'm a little bit biased here. But um, but the fact is, is that Barry Bonds, you know, steroids and no steroids, he, he had a Hall of Fame career. Oh, yeah. you know, people forget, like, he was with the Pirates in his first few years with the Giants. Like, he was putting up, like, all-star numbers, not just with, with, the, with you know, with the hits and the home runs, but also with his defense. And, and he used to be, like, a very speedy player, you know, pre-steroids. So, um, and also won much gold gloves, too. Um, and he, I mean, when Barry Bonds signed with the Giants, which was, again, pre-steroids, he completely changed like, the trajectory of that franchise. Because the Giants were on the verge of moving to Tampa, and they got new ownership that that kind of saved it from happening. Then Barry Bonds comes in, and, and he becomes like the face of the franchise, and I, I would say to a degree the face of various sports, you know, for many, many, many years. Um. So, I, I, 
you, you can't and, and and as as you said, like you can't the Hall of Fame has to at least acknowledge the home run king. You know, asterisk no asterisk, he is the home run king. Yeah. Um, not, uh, including in a single season, yeah. with Mark McGuire's record uh, in 2001, it's it's it's, it's a joke. It, it it really is a joke. Eventually, we can say that David Ortiz he tested positive for PEDs. He's mentioned in the Mitchell report, but because David Ortiz was nice and cuddly, cuddly to sports media, you know, he gets voted in. But because Barry Bonds was not, you know, he the, the writers didn't vote him in. It's almost like a popularity contest now among sports writers. So I guess, I guess, if you're a baseball player nowadays, you just have to be nice to sports media and, and, and get in the hall. It's like pathetic, it's ridiculous. Man. It's pathetic, yeah. dude. It's pathetic. I mean, like the way I view the Hall of Fame for any sport is like it's just it's a history of the league. Yeah. It's like you can't tell the history of Major League Baseball without Barry Bonds. You know what I mean? Of course it's not. Like, yeah. What we, what, or without Pete Rose, without A Rod, without Kurt Schilling. I mean, Kurt Schilling, they they keep out just because he's a Republican. I exactly. Mean, it's, like, it's literally just political reasons. But it's like you can't tell the story of the game without these guys. And it's like there's a difference with the st- like, dude, uh, like. I, I hate that all these guys used steroids. Like it was terrible, man. It's a, of it's a stain on the sport. I will say, as a kid growing up, it was very fun to watch. I mean, dude, oh, like sure. the, the late '90s, that was like the golden era of baseball. Like, I, you know, we tuned yeah. in every night. You know what I mean? To whatever we only got, whatever five channels, but like whatever was like the nationally televised game. Like we'd watch yeah. every day. You know what I mean? And um, like you just, I don't know, man. It's it, there's a you have to differentiate between like the guys that would have been Hall of Famers anyway. And the guys that wouldn't have been like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Roger Clemens. I mean, they they were a rod. I mean, they they were Hall of Famers before they took drugs. Okay, like Sammy Sosa was not like he was an average player. Like he would, you know, he he was a starter a few years. He was kind of like a bench rotation guy. He was okay. You know, he'd maybe hit twenty home runs a year, and then he like slapped on seventy pounds of muscle and started hitting sixty home runs a year. Like that's different. Like Brady, well, and, and, Brady and, and, Anderson, and, and, so, and also he he started using corkscrew bats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like you know, like Brady Anderson, right? He was like a a speedy leadoff hitter, center mm-hmm. fielder, and like he just showed up jacked one year and hit fifty home runs as a leadoff hitter. It's like okay, like that's that's yeah. different than Mark McGuire going from fifty five home runs a year to sixty home runs a year. You know what I mean? Like that's not mm-hmm. like come on, man, like. These idiot sports writers should be able to like walk and chew gum at the same time. Like, use your head. Who d- who deserves to be in there? Who doesn't? Barry Bonds does. Sammy Sosa doesn't. Like, this is like I don't know why it has to be this zero sum game. Like, come on, these people need to get their act together. Yeah, and, and I don't really know how I, I don't know how to fix it exactly because I mean I, I, I would maybe like maybe the players should vote. Like, obviously they know better than I said. The players probably know better than the sports writers do. Oh yeah, dude. Um, people in the like the living Hall of Famers should vote. I think in every league, you know right. what I mean? Because it's like we talk about like in football, like who uh who deserves to get into the Hall, who doesn't? You know, like Hein like you know, we were kind of hoping Heinz Ward as Steelers fans were we were hoping he would would have gotten in, and and he's not going to get in. Um, you know, which like oh that sucks for Heinz, but like I kind of get it. And it's like you know does does Eli Manning belong in the Hall of Fame? Like, I don't know. Like, he wasn't that great, but he had those two magic runs in the playoffs, beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl twice. It's like, I, I you could see arguments either way, but it's like, 
if Hall of Famers voted and decided that Eli Manning deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, like who could argue with that? You know what I mean? Like exactly. you can always argue with sports writers because they're a bunch of idiots that don't know anything. But yeah, like, I wish like the guys who are in the hall who are still alive, I think they should be the ones voting because it's like, who who knows better than a Hall of Famer on who should be in the Hall of Fame? Exactly, and I think you know I I, I have been to Cooperstown and it's remarkable. Like it, it really is a um, it, it's I would say it's almost magical to to go walk the baseball Hall of Fame and see all the history there. Uh, it's kind of like a, a Cooperstown is like a town middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, and it, it's, it's it's a wonderful experience. If you're a baseball fan, it, it's Nirvana, you yeah. know. But now it's sort of like, you know, after this, it, it's like, man, I don't know if I can ever go back because, you know, it, it's now tainted for me. Yeah, it's, um, just, it's not real. It's not legitimate. Yeah. So well, I, I I will say that that there any is any Hall of Fame that is not tainted, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If that's you know that that that's my Hall of Fame that will not let us down. We played a show at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh sold, really? Sold oh, that's out, awesome. Sold out, yeah, sold out show is like uh, 1,500 people there. It was it was awesome, man. It was probably I mean, you know, hard to say that there's any other any cooler venue that I've played than there. <laughs> oh <laughs> sure, yeah, that that's amazing, dude. Yeah, that was I mean that was like 2010. I was young. Oh, that was a while ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. That was back when we were like a pop rock band, and now we're like super uh, heavy. <laughs> we're we're nice. the one band that every album gets heavier and heavier, which is bizarre. It's usually the opposite. That, that, I mean, that sounds pretty badass to me. <laughs> so, dude, congrats on your Niners making uh, the NFC Championship game. I I legitimately have no idea how you guys keep beating the Packers in the playoffs. Like the uh, Packers, me neither. <laughs> the Packers are just a better team on both sides of the ball all year. Like, it's just, I don't know, man, the Niners just have the Packers number in the playoffs. Like, it's crazy. I don't know how they keep doing it. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that going into the game was that Niners special teams has been hot garbage all year, but apparently the Packers oh, yeah. special team has been worse. <laughs> you know, uh, but, but I never would have thought that, that the special teams would have actually, like, won us the game, you yeah. know, and, 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 ch- and change just changed the momentum. But, I mean, a blocked field, one a blocked punt, I, you know, I... I, that's you know that's something that that happens in that end like not not in real life. <laughs> so I, I mean I, I think I think also this Niner team this this has been a really bizarre year for the Niners because they started out three and five and for all like oh no like this is it's gonna be another it's be another one of those years where we're too injury riddled you know Jimmy sucks now we're gonna have to, unless we want to trade Lance and. They just somehow they just righted the ship, and I, I, there are all these adjustments they made both on the defensive side. And I think Jimmy, um, early on in the season, he had a calf injury and it, it got better, and he started playing a little bit better. Um, they they started using Debo as a running back, and that that really changed things. Um, that, that dude's a stud, man. That Debo, I, I mean, what a monster! I, he, I, I've never seen a player like him before. That he just be used anywhere. And he just like runs over defenders. I it's it's really remarkable. I I, I don't think there'll be a player like, like Debo Samuel because he's just so unique. Dude, side um, note, side note on Debo. Obviously, you're in the uh, no gimmicks fantasy football yeah. league with me. By the way, let me just reiterate: I won this year. I'm the champ. Again. Thanks, Brady. Yep. Just had to, just had to <laughs> thanks, man. Just had to remind the audience of that. But it's like, dude, where does Debo go in our draft? I mean, like, um, if they're going to keep using him, I mean, he's obviously a great receiver, but if they're going to keep giving him the ball in the backfield, too, it's like, 
And he, they only had, like, what, the last six or eight games when they were using him like that. If they used yeah. him like that for a whole year, he could be, like, the number one overall in, like, fantasy points. You know, like, he I, could be. Like, is he going to be, like, a... I mean, he's obviously going to be a first-round pick, probably. I say, I think even top five pick. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is he? Would he be like a top five? I think it would have to be. I mean, I think Cooper Cup probably goes number one, and then Jonathan no Taylor number way. two. There's no. I mean, I know Cooper Cup. Like, well, I mean, shout out to my boy Cooper Cup. Won me the championship this year. <laughs> <laughs> he is the reason why I won. But uh, yeah. like, it would still be surprising. Well, I mean, like in our league, the winner of the league picks last, so I'm picking twelve. So like, I know okay. I won't get. I'm not getting Cooper Cup or Debo, but. Um, like I'd st- I'd be shocked if it would still be it would still be shocking if a running back isn't number if it's not like Derrick Henry Henry Christian McCaffrey. But not, like that's that. not always the case though. I mean, I, I remember back in 2016, like the consensus number one pick was Antonio Brown. Yeah. You know, so so that you know, receivers can be like the number one overall pick in fantasy drafts. It, it, I drafted especially him. in PPR leagues, which 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 ours is. I drafted AB that year number one overall and regret yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. I regretted it because, like, it's just oh, really? running backs are going to, like, except for, I mean, Cooper Cup had the best year from a receiver ever. So yeah. it's like, and he scored, like, on top of all the yards and, and, and catches, he had, like, t- like 16 touchdowns or something. Like, something like it was just wild. But, like, I still mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if he went number one. Like, it's got to be, like, a. Derrick Henry, you know what I mean? Because or Jonathan Taylor. Or Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, because, I mean, like, those running backs are going to, I mean, they could get 20, 22 touchdowns. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I don't know. But Debo's going to be up there. Dude, like, I look, if Debo is still around at, at pick 12, man, I mean, not, I mean, you're going to pick. He probably won't be. Me, so he won't be. <laughs> but I'd be, I'd be thrilled, man, to get him. So sure. predictions, man. The championship games. Obviously, we've got uh, your I mean, guys. You know, I, I mean, I was I can't be objective with the Niners, but I, I think I think I think it'll be a close game. But I think the Niners will win. I, I think that there are a lot of advantages the Niners have over the Rams. As that um, that, that I mean, there's a reason why the Niners are are six zero against the Rams over their last six games. Dude, that's and, crazy. That's nuts. And I, part of it's because I mean, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay work together. Yeah. You know, in Washington, and you know, I mean, Sean McVay runs the Shanahan system. You know, so who knows Shanahan system better than Kyle Shanahan himself? Right. Um, but, but I think also, I mean, it, 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 it's the little things, too, because part of the reason why the Rams had such a big lead over the Bucks early on was because the Rams' defense is really good at disguising coverages, and Brady couldn't diagnose the coverages, and it flummoxed him. Um, but then once the Rams started, started running the prevent defense, of course, having the three, Brady was able to figure it out. Yeah, and that's having the. But the Niners are very. The like Kyle Shanahan's offense uses a lot of pre-snap motion, and when they do that, like that, that motion helps to kind of by like, running those motions, the defense kind of reveals its hand. So Kyle Shanahan knows like what defense is doing, and and, and can call plays based based on that. Right. Um, and also I think Niners just the 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 just can't see what's up the Niners run game. Um. And also Matt Stafford, like Matt Stafford, you look at Matt Stafford's numbers against the Blitz, he just torches people. He looks you know, so he just, good. He looks, he looks so, so good, good against the Bucks. However, man. the Niners don't blitz a lot because they can they they can rush the passer with four people. Um, and, and, and in the game against the Rams this year, the Niners have been able to do that to perfection, and so and, and it's kind of kept Stafford off balance. So um, and also the Niners are just that they have a little more toughness and grit to them than the Rams do. 
the Rams, when the game, the game gets tight, the Rams fold. You know, whereas the Niners, they have this team. I, I would say that the, the 2019 team made the Super Bowl. Like that team is is probably better on paper, but this team just has a certain edge and resiliency to it that that team didn't have. You know, and and that could just be because you know after losing the Super Bowl and being doubted all year this year, they they just kind of like you know embrace underdog mentality. I don't know what it is. Uh, and Jimmy, look, Jimmy G has come under a lot of criticism this year, including from years truly. Uh, he is a, he is a limited quarterback and makes plenty of mistakes. I, I saw someone on Twitter want to say that like Jimmy G has the talent of Alex Smith, but, but, but plays like he's Patrick Mahomes. Which I think is so accurate. Because that is he fair. Makes yeah. so, because yeah. he makes so many reckless passes yeah. that, that are stupid. And you're like, what are you doing, Jimmy? Like every game. Every yeah. game, he he, he 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 throws a stupid pick, but like, you know, this year, whenever whenever like their backs against the wall, he just comes through, and 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 like the the players say that like in the huddle, he just keeps everybody calm. He has a call. He has this demeanor to him that's like, okay, we got this, guys. Let's just focus and do it. And that's that's why he's beloved in the locker room. That's why Kyle Shanahan has stuck with him all year, and you know, even even with he's got a bad thumb and a bad shoulder, and he's still. You know, he's still he's still playing. He's still coming through with the Niners season too. So well, if you he know, looks, I, if you he know, looks bad, that might benefit me as a Steelers fan. Because right. <laughs> the Steelers, they're not the kind of team that I mean, they're not gonna like the Raiders want like three first round picks for Derek Carr. You know, what I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, the, forget that. The, the Packers would want like five first round picks for a thirty eight year old Aaron Rodgers, like. The Steelers are never gonna do something like that. They just don't no. make reckless trades like that. But it's like, dude, I would, I'd be thrilled if we could get Jimmy for like a second round pick or something, or like a second and a third or something. If he looks like trash this week, or sure, you know, because it's like, so, man, I mean, you've seen, you've seen what we're working with, man. You've seen Mason Rudolph. Yeah, that's you've right. seen Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph attempt to yeah, play not, NFL no. football, and it is just no fun. So, like, I, I, yeah, I, absolutely. I, yeah, I'm, and I, I, I always thought the Steelers would be a good fit for Jimmy because she was getting traded. You no, know, even with Super Bowl, if even if he went Super Bowl for the Niners, this year, he's still getting traded because Niners they they invested so much, but so so much into trade lands, but also they need the cap space. Yeah. Because Jimmy Jimmy G's contract is going to cost them 26 million in cap space next year. They need to sign Debo and Nick Bosa to big extensions. You know, they and they can get a chance on rookie contract. They have a rookie contracts with Trey Lance that they can take advantage of. It's going to happen. It's, it, it's 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 it'll happen. It's just a matter of like what they can get for him. Now, I, will say, tell, I, I will say, keeping Mason Rudolph on the bench is priceless. I don't care if the yeah. Steelers have to play, pay Jimmy G fifty million dollars. Like it would be every penny would be worth it because that young man Mason Rudolph is just the worst. Like he he's just the absolute worst. And it, every, with your with your prediction, obviously you're picking the Niners this week, right? All of the you made fair points. I mean, like the Niners have beaten the Rams. She's had st- six straight times, including twice this year. I mean, they they beat Matt Stafford twice this year, including like three weeks ago. And like yeah. I understand that, and that all makes sense. But like I still, I'm still picking the Rams. It's just like I don't know. Why, and I know that it's probably foolish. Like I just kind of have a feeling that you're right, and the Niners are going to pull out a win. But it's like, I just that roster is ridiculous. <laughs> like, it is well, it with Stafford, and... with Cooper yeah. Cup, you know, with uh, OBJ is playing great. You know, they just got somehow they got Cam Akers back. I mean, he freaking tore his 
Achilles in half like six months ago, and he's somehow back playing well, which makes no sense. And you know, obviously yeah. Ramsey and Aaron Donald, and all, it's like I I get what you're saying, but I'm like I still I gotta pick the Rams. It's like they just have so much talent, man. They're just like they do. And I'll say the one thing that sort of gives me um that that I worry about is the fact that the Rams have to figure out how to use Odell and Von Miller. Um, so I, I mean, it, I mean, it'll, it'll be tougher. I, I think this, this will definitely be tougher than the previous two games that I've had against the Rams this year. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Rams won because they are a talented team, you know, as, as, you know, as, as you've said. So, I mean, it, it you know, it, it could happen. And I, I, was and like, so, I want, but, I want Matthew Stafford to win a Super Bowl at some point because he just like, he just deserves it after being stuck in Detroit. For all those years, it's like I'd like to see him. He like he Stafford needs to win a Super Bowl, not just for himself, but for Barry Sanders and for Megatron and for like all the great Detroit Lions that never had a chance to win. It's like he just he just needs to win one eventually. How about how about well, the other? I mean, I'm guessing we're both picking the Chiefs to come out of the AFC. Like I I I know that the Bengals are crazy good. Joe Burrow's a stud. Jamar Chase is ridiculous. I also drafted him, by the way, last year. I mean, dude, <laughs> come on. I had Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase. I mean, yeah, that's, it's just, <sighs> it, 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 that's, that's pretty – and Dalvin Cook, too. So it's, and Dalvin Cook. And George you know, Kittle. A, and George Kittle, that's right. Um, you, no that's, quarterback. It's hard to beat. No quarterback. I won the league with Kirk Cousins, and then uh, late in the year, Lamar Jackson's backup, who I can't remember the gentleman's name. Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley. <laughs> there you go. I won well, championship it, it, week it, with Tyler Huntley. In fantasy, you can stream quarterbacks. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. but I, I mean, just, just, well, just one more thought on Niners rounds before, before we finish up there. Um, Niners fans have, I, I've said one of the, one of the storylines has been how week 18, the, like the Niners fans basically took over SoFi Stadium. Um, and so I guess that this week, uh, uh, the Rams, that tried to limit like the number of Niner fans that could come to the game. Um, oh my gosh! And, yeah, um, you know, and of course, those were basically lifted. But like, I think the bigger point is the fact that like, I think the the Rams kind of know that Niner fans are going to take over the stadium again, and it, it's and apparently in Week 18, like the Niners fans were so uh, loud, and there's so many of them that the Rams had to go. To, the Stafford had to go to a silent count, and I, I I would imagine that, that that'll have to be the case. That'll probably be the case again. Dude, if they keep, on, if they on keep the Niners fans out, it would be an empty stadium. The Rams fans. Yeah, all yeah exactly. In, Rams fans live in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, people don't understand. Like, I mean, like here in LA, like I, I can tell you that like the, the Rams don't have this. The Rams don't have the same loyalty among you know the, the LA population that that like the Lakers and the Dodgers do because the yeah. Rams have been gone for so long. And you know, some people. You know, we're waiting for the Rams to come back, but others just had just got new loyalties, and there are a lot of there are a lot of LA sports fans that are Niners fans because that was just their team. Yeah. You know, once the Rams moved moved, moved to St. Louis, you know, and, and so it's like, well, you know, the Rams have no one but themselves to blame for that. So, oh yeah, absolutely. So we got to do Super Bowl predictions, obviously. So yeah, I, oh, wait, are are you picking the Chiefs this week? Yeah. Okay, so am I. They're just too good. I mean, you know. The Bengals, they have a great squad, but, I mean, come on, man. So, I I gotta, I think the Rams are going to win. I think it's going to be really close, and it's going to be Rams-Chiefs, and then somehow, some way, 
I think Aaron Donald and those boys are going to be able to put some pressure on Mahomes, make him uncomfortable, and the Rams are going to eke out a victory. That That's my prediction. What you got? Um, well, if it's Rams, Chiefs, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, you know, but with Mahomes, you can never really count him out as, you know, I learned as, as, as NFL fans learned the hard way a couple of years ago. Right. Um, but that'd be, that'd be uh, a fun, that'd be a fun rematch. I mean, I, I'd be excited. Yeah, to watch I, I that mean, rematch. I, I, I am thinking that, that it, it's going to be a, a revenge Super Bowl. Um, you know, I mean, there are, I mean, obviously I, if that's the case, you know, I'm going to pick the Niners, but I mean, there are some things that, that can, that concern me, mainly the fact that like, one of one of the reasons for the Niners' demise in the you know in 2020 was the fact that 2020 Super Bowl was the fact that Chris Jones was just you know destroying that offensive line and and was just batting down passes and I mean the Niners have a better center this year but that right side of the offensive line it's like they have Dan Brunskill at right guard who's really not very good and they have Tom Compton at right tackle who's a backup because Mike went to a normal starter like Torres quad and Tom Compton uh, on, uh, on Saturday, Tom Compton was just getting destroyed by Rashawn Gary um, for the uh, yeah for the Packers, who's a good, he's a very good player. But like imagining Frank Clark against Tom Compton, oh, that, I mean that, that makes me very nervous. But um, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I kind of have to think that the Niners have sort of learned from their mistakes of the past Super Bowl, and they could probably eke out a win. But I don't know. I, I mean, I <laughs> it's it's hard to say. I, I mean. So we'll see. I, I mean, either way, it, it's these next uh, championship games, a uh, Super Bowl, will, will will all be fun and close games. So. so you're picking Niners in a rematch over the Chiefs. Yeah. All right. I have to. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, what, what can I say? I'm a homer. That means that uh, the Bengals are going to win <laughs> win the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, but I don't think I've ever predicted anything. Like, when it, in, in terms of an election – or a Super Bowl, or a World Series. I don't. I don't think I've predicted anything correctly on this podcast in the last five years. The kids are hard, especially in sports. You know, when there's so many variable variables. Yeah, man. I mean, I thought Trump was going to lose the first time and win the second time. Yeah, me too. Just all kinds of wrong. Me <laughs> like, too. Uh, we're, we we really suck at predicting the future, but it'll be fun, man. I'm I'm stoked for this weekend. These games. Yeah, are me awesome, too. I think. So. Well, I, I'm, the podcast is going to take a really dark turn right now, right now, Aaron. Yeah. Fair warning to everybody listening at home. The Biden administration banned the use of monoclonal antibodies. They're specifically targeting Florida. Now, I have two family members who had COVID last month. They got it really bad, and they believe that they were going to die if if they didn't. They, they got the monoclonal antibody treatment, and they recovered quickly. They, they were on death's door before that. So, Aaron, I've been racking my brain over here. I don't see an explanation for pulling this treatment other than this is the Biden regime attempting to kill their political opponents or the people that they view as their political opponents. I mean, they hate Ron DeSantis, so they're trying to kill Floridians. I, 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 I know that sounds crazy, but I think that's what's happening here. And I, I think people need to wake up and they need to realize what we're up against. I mean, these people are, they're vicious, man. They, they're vicious knife fighters. They... Will kill you to maintain power, and that's kind of that's that's what I'm seeing from where I am right now. What do you think? Well, I mean, it, it certainly is targeting Florida to a degree, isn't it? Because they, um, I remember back uh, in what was it May of last year? It, it was like several months ago. 
um, the Biden administration basically not only seized the monoclonal antibodies, but also started like also started like restricting how much Florida got because like oh we need to do it for equity purposes, you know like like full on Marxist language, yeah. um, but I, I you know. But but that uh, obviously I, I think that in and of itself kind of showed that yeah like of course they're talking Florida because these antibody treatments were working they were saving lives and and I know that like the argument for for revoking them was like well it does work it's Omicron um, first like not I mean not all these cases are Omicron I mean I mean in December a, a lot of the the CDC admitted that a lot of the December spike was due to Delta not Omicron uh, I know by now Omicron's probably the dominant variant but you know, I've, and I'm sure certain antibody treatments don't work. And also, 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 real quick, like that might not even be true. I mean, like the the data that they have that these treatments don't work on Omicron is pretty thin at best. I mean, yeah, no, no, it like is clinical it, it, data it, 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 that it, shows this. It it, it, it is thin. Um, but I would imagine that that like if, if someone had Omicron and had antibodies, which is that's what these are, right? That these treatments right. are basically antibodies from people who have recovered from COVID. You know, right. uh, 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 to, to donate them, and then you know, people who are infected get those antibodies to help fight it off. Uh, it's, 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 it's how I think it. It's how I think it works. But, um, but theoretically, like if, if someone has Omicron and then donates antibodies for that can be used as treatment later, like I, that's I mean, you would think that would work. Um, but nothing else. Like if it's, if a doctor recommends it, or if someone wants to get that treatment, they should be able to. I mean, that's just basic. You know, read That's just basic principles of freedom. Um, and now the Biden administration is just like, nah, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely some, it's definitely for political targeting and Jen Psaki's answer or Jen Psaki as Mark Levin likes to call her, you know, Jen Psaki was like, oh, you know, what, what really works is vaccines and boosters. It's like, okay, like, look, I, I'm a believer in the shots, but I mean, I got all the shots. I still got COVID. My parents still got COVID too. Like we're all, we're all okay. Thank God. Um, and maybe the, and I, I like to think the shots helped, but you know, they don't always help for everybody. So, so I, I think one of the biggest failures of the Biden administration in this pandemic was the fact that they went all in on, va- on vaccines when they should have also been working to develop therapeutics too. Of course. Um, and, and that's, and, that, and, and that's something that when you hear Biden defenders say like, oh, we, we need, it's, this pandemic is still going is because. You, it was because anti-vaxxers, you know, are, they aren't being the shots. They aren't wearing masks. Um, it, it's like, but why don't they? I, I don't understand why they don't also acknowledge the lack of therapeutics. And and look, there are therapeutics supposed to be coming out on the market soon from Pfizer and from Merck. But I think with at least with anti-vaxxers, like you know, Pfizer has lost some. These big pharma companies like Pfizer have just lost so much credibility with them. It's like you know, they may not even take the you know, the, the treatments, the, I mean, those therapeutics either. So, I, I mean, it's it, the way the Biden administration has handled all this, it, it's really been a mess. And I, it, I think a lot of people have I, I just think faith. I, I just yeah. think it's more than I, I, I and I, I, I love Ben Shapiro's line. He always says on his podcast that, you know, he, he never attributes uh, malice to people when when he should be attributing stupidity. Right. But, I, I follow that same. I tend to follow that same mantra. So do I. But this is malicious. Like it's, it's just not. It's not incompetence. This is targeted. Over the weekend, a Boston man was removed from the heart transplant list because he's unvaccinated. 
Yeah, that that, like it, that is like this is monstrous. That's beyond the pale. Side note, by the way, like I don't. Can you even get a vaccine if you're waiting for a heart transplant? I mean, the man probably has no immune system. You know what I mean? Like it's I don't even know yeah. if he'd be eligible to be vaccinated. But like the speed at which some of these Democrats have become literal killers is shocking. Over a virus. I mean, these people will kill you for Joe Biden. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't understand what's happened to our country, man. Like, I, I said on the podcast last month, after Manchin and Cinema sunk the Democrats' spending bill, that the Democrats would get desperate. You know, they see the poll numbers. Joe mm-hmm. Biden's in the, you know, he's hovering around 39, 40. I mean, he's he's underwater. The Democrats are going to get shellacked in November. They They know what's happening. They know what time it is. They know they can't get anything through Congress this year. And when you corner a Democrat, <laughs> a cornered Democrat is like a cornered tiger, man. They lash out. And I think that's what you're seeing. And, and I, I predicted on the podcast that they would lash out, that the Democrats would get mm. desperate. But I didn't expect their desperation to lead them to literal murder. I mean, like, I, I, it, I did not know they've reached this level of degeneracy. I mean, what happened to Boston? Dude, that's just murder. Like, they're just killing this man for Joe Biden. I mean, this is like, I, I correct me, call me an idiot, Aaron, please. Like, tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> like, I, I, I just can't see another motive other than that these people want to kill the unvaccinated. Which is, by the way, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. It's not like all unvaccinated people are are Republicans. I mean, like, by, by all available data, the, the ethnic group that is the least vaccinated in the United States are black Americans. So it's like, I I don't even know what they're thinking, but I, I don't know, man. I, I think what we're seeing is just the backlash from these desperate Democrats. They, they know they're going to get wrecked, and they're lashing out, and they're killing people. I, I honestly think that's what we're seeing. It, well, it, it is definitely, it, it, well, there's no question that it's definitely backlash, and there is some some target there is some targeting going on and and look for me throughout the throughout the pandemic it's like the those talk about how it gets a pandemic of the unvaccinated is, is what biden likes to say it's like well you know vaccinated people have gotten they have gotten covid too so you know unvaccinated people probably get covid worse you know than the vaccinated people do but but it's but it's almost like the scapegoating going on the pandemic is is going is still going because of the unvaccinated i don't i just don't i, I doesn't make any sense to me because if, if you are vaccinated then you're protected so and the vaccines really don't stop transmission so like it, it doesn't it, it, you're right it, it does it, it doesn't make any sense and i mean it is at best you can call it a, a, a very myopic view based off you know because people are just scared they've been scared into compliance by the likes of fauci and biden but at worst it is malicious targeting and yeah. You know, it's I mean, this is this type of stuff that 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 that, that, that causes a societal breakdown, you know, because I mean, I mean, this type of division that's going on, you, you know, with with people calling for unvaccinated to basically kicked out of society, it's just that's not sustainable. Like, how do you, like, how you, do you can't, share? How do you share a country with those people? You, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you, how you, I don't know how you can. It, it, it's, and and we're certainly seeing this with with more more people leaving blue states. You know, like California, I'm going to red states, and it's so basically what we're seeing. It's like the blue states are getting bluer, and the red states are getting redder. It's like we're living in a in a bifurcated society now. Like that doesn't that usually doesn't end well for for countries. You know, it's like you, you can't. You know, when, when societies are, are divided like that, it just you know it it I it it just 
causes a breakdown. It, it's it's not sustainable. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't so agree more. I, I mean, I, I am more. seeing some hopeful signs, though. Like, it, we're seeing, you know, Barry Wyatt, Phil Marr, who are certainly not conservatives, um, who are, are saying they're basically done with COVID now. Um, and we're seeing, like, in countries like Denmark, uh, Britain, and I think, in the, was it the Netherlands? I, I, maybe in the other one, are, are, are starting to... Um, are, are, are starting to just say we're done with restri- restrictions and you know starbucks is, is is now ending their like vaccine mandates so there are signs that people are starting to like finally have enough of this stuff you know but i mean at the end of the day it, it's like is joe body gonna make up to that probably not because you know he, he doesn't, doesn't know where he is or he like you know, well, what, he he, what do you have for breakfast <laughs> but um, because the- fear fear of covid is all he has left Right. I mean, like they, his approval rating, he's underwater by like 15 points. You know what I mean? Like the only thing he can do to try to get reelected is to like perpetuate COVID all the way through 2024 and scare women into. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like not sound sexist or anything, but it's a lot easier to scare a woman than a man. Um, you just scare all the soccer moms into voting Democrat. I mean, I think that's that's kind of their only path to elect electoral victory. This this year and in twenty twenty four. I mean, they'll probably, so, they'll probably use like what Newsom did for his recall, which is basically like you know Republicans are going to kill you, <laughs> you know, so right. right because they because he's like I was going to get rid of the vaccine and mask mandates, you know, like that is that's not science. And it, it, in California, of course, it works because it's because of just how blue the state is. Um, and but the fact that Biden keeps doubling down on uh, on his policies that are pretty far are pretty staunchly left wing to put it mildly that i think makes you think that he's going to stick with like the california approach yeah, you know and right. just so um so i i mean the only other possibility is the fact is that omicron has basically wrecked a lot of the administration's arguments in in, in favor of like the vaccine mandates for instance it, they'll, they'll come um, up with another i mean but, i don't but, know yeah I, I i'm predicting at around i don't know september Couple months before uh, the election, I, they'll come up with a new variant. Will drop. Oh, <laughs> they'll drop. Sure. They'll come up with a new one, you know. But uh, so another main reason why I wanted you on the show today, you wrote the cover story for last week's Jewish Journal on the hostage situation in Colleyville, Texas. And yeah. once again, like clockwork, <laughs> when there's an anti-Semitic attack that is not perpetrated by the 15 remaining neo-Nazis we have in this country, the press just buries it. And this story was literally, literally, and we say this as a joke that, you know, these stories are out of the press in 24 hours. I mean, this story was literally gone and it didn't even take 24 hours. I mean, corporate media dropped the story as soon as they found out that the perp was a Muslim. So, mm. I mean, a lot, a lot, I'm guessing a, a large percentage of the audience doesn't actually know very much about what happened because the press didn't refuse to cover it. So take us through it, man. Who was this guy? What happened? How was he allowed? How was this allowed to happen? How was this man even allowed to to enter the country? Right. So 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 the hostage taker. His name was Malik um, uh, Faisal Akram. He, he he was a British national, and he had, he had a lengthy rap sheet of like all these like of, of all these like crimes um, in terms in terms of like uh, property damage and you know, some violent harassment. And such, like if, there, if he was barred from British court, 
Yeah, that was the one because she shouted. She said to one of the court ushers, "Like you should have been on the effing plane." Yeah, reference to 9/11. Um, but it sounds like in the last couple of years he's been radicalized, uh, somehow, and he just became a full-on believer in, in Islamism, you know, radical Islam, and he just got it in, in his head that one of the one of the things that I say so something that. One of the things that runs in jihadi circles is there's this Pakistani neuroscientist named, named Dr. Afia Siddiqui. She is known as the Lady of Al-Qaeda, and she was uh, sentenced to 86-year prison sentence in 2010 because she attempted to kill U.S. soldiers and FBI agents in Afghanistan. What happened was they found her carrying like material used for chemical weapons and a flash drive that contained instructions on how to make them and targets in New York City. And so while she was in custody, there was a gun lying on the ground by mistake. She picks it up and she fires it at the soldiers and the FBI agents. And she shouts, like, all Akbar, I want to kill you effing Americans. And they, they used what that, that incident was used for sentencing because it's easier to get um, those charges to stick with terrorism charges. Are. And she denies that ever happened. But the government used had overwhelming evidence that 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 she that she did it um but the fact is is that like in islamist circles she is a pariah she's a class celeb like the taliban and isis have have offered trade hostages for her like they were both bergdahl and james foley like they, they they were they were they were they have the taliban and isis tried to use them to get Sadiqi released and so this guy malik uh, malik faisal akram Tra- traveled to, to a synagogue, Congress in Beth Israel, in Kabul, Texas, with the intention of getting Siddiqui free. And his thinking, and I, I kid you not, this is actual thinking, was that was that was that the rabbi? And so, Siddiqui is serving time in, in a federal prison in Fort Worth, and Colleyville is is it's like twenty minutes away or or, so, or something like that. So. So he chose the synagogue because it's it's close to where she's being held. He thought the rabbi at the synagogue could free her because because he was like you know President Biden, he'll, he'll, he'll listen to the Jews. He and so he had the rabbi actually call a rabbi in New York to try and get this person free because he thought rabbis had that power to do so. You know, I, I, I mean it's I mean you laugh at it, but it's actually terrifying because. Yeah. Because, because I mean, all of this is like conspiracy theories are centered around the idea that Jews are like these all-powerful, you know, are, are, are basically these omnipresent figures that are manipulating the scenes behind behind closed doors and are trying to, like, you know, enrich themselves while everyone else is screwed over. And and this is sort of, I mean, this is the outgrowth of that. If, you, if people believe in that Jews have are all powerful priests, and of course we're not. You know, because, because like honestly, like if we control the media, then <laughs> then how do you explain the fact that, that this story was gone after 24 hours? Like, it's come incredible. on. And um, and so what ended up happening, and what ended up happening was so this this, this situation. It was a standoff. It lasted like 10, 11 hours, and it what you know the FBI, you know SWAT, they were all outside. They're trying to negotiate with with, with this guy. And toward the end, he became like he, he as as they were on he he the hostage taker be, began 
having a serious decline. Makes at one point like he says to the hostages, like if that's in, if you're on your knees, I'm I'm gonna put a bullet in your brains. The hostages just say like no, like like we're not doing this. And the gunman, he he he, he the terrorist, he gets taken aback a little bit, as though he asks for like juice or soda. The rabbi gets it for him, and so as he's drinking the juice or soda, like he sets his gun down, and, and the rabbi, and the thing is just that like is there are there are. In synagogues, they go through security training, like with like the ADL and law enforcement. And the rabbi sort of took advantage of uh, took advantage of that training. He said, like, now it's time for us to go. But like, we need to go now because this guy's gonna kill us. And so he takes a chair and throws it at, at the terrorist. He shouts, "Run!" And and the hostages like like they literally run for their lives through the exit. Um, and by the grace of God, they all escape. And, and then the, the FBI then moves in and the terrorist dies and it got fight. So, you know, thank God all the hostages escaped unharmed and the terrorist is dead. So, like, you know, it, 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 it all worked out. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, and, I mean, what quick thinking by that rabbi, too. Like, Yeah, I, I, I mean, that, those, those guys are all heroes. I mean, oh, yeah. they, you know, and I, I, I think there, there are a couple... The, the first question is, how, how did this guy get in it's to the United States because like he was known by MI5. Yes. Like they they had him like on a terror watch list for like four weeks in 2020 and and they took him off. Which means the so, FBI, which means the FBI had that information as well. Right. And Eddie McCarthy, who was a former federal prosecutor, wrote National Review that, that like between and, and Akron, this guy he had mental issues and and he wasn't the, 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 there was a recording of his final phone call with his brother. As well as I'm like, look, like, let these people go. They're innocent. They, like, you're not going to free Afia Siddiqui by what you're doing here. And he just shouts, like, who cares? Like, like he, he, he says, the, the U.S. goes to Afghanistan. They kill our children. They rape our women. Why can't we do the same thing to them? I want to say, president here, I'm, I, I want to die. That's, that's what he said. Like, he said, I want to die. You know, like, I've asked all of this. Like, that is very chilling stuff. Yeah. Um, And, and so... What I'm saying here is that is that between his his rap sheet, between his apparent mental issues, and the fact that he was known as an Islamist terror threat by MI5, this weeks for a period of time. Yes, the FBI had to like those are all reasons for the FBI to keep some keep someone out of of, of, of the country. And I think FBI the FBI needs to sort needs to answer like why this guy's up through the cracks. And, and we find out after the fact that this happens all the time with the FBI, like the Boston bomber. Yeah. The Boston bomber, like they were known by the FBI too. The, and, and, you know, the, the Boston bombing still happened. Um, and, and, and it's not, I mean, so with the Charleston shooter, you know, that guy was, what was a white supremacist, but that, the, the, that guy was able to pass a background check because the FBI sort of dropped the ball on, on this guy's history. Exactly. You know, so, so the, it's like over and over again. Like every the FBI time. is dropping the ball here. Every, you know? every time, every time, every time. Like, and, and they haven't been held accountable for that. And they won't. Um, and they won't. But they, that, that's right. the thing. That's the yeah. thing, Aaron. Is that what at this point, what on earth does the FBI do? I mean, the FBI was all over parents in Virginia who wanted to know yeah. what their children were being taught in government schools. The FBI came out yesterday. The FBI. <laughs> the FBI. Paid an informant fifty-four grand to try to trick idiots in Michigan into trying to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. It was that. Remember that yeah. the, the plot against That's Gretchen right. Whitmer. Yep, yep. It was all the FBI. It was just entrapment. So I mean, like, they seem pretty focused on going after Republicans, and 
not interested at all in stopping terrorists who want to kill Jews. I mean, this is like this guy was known to the FBI, and like you, like you said, I forgot that the the Boston bomber was too. My goodness, I mean, every time with these people, it's like what on earth is the FBI doing? I mean, they're just a political operation. I mean, they're just trying to get Democrats elected at this point. I mean, if you can't stop a known terrorist with mental health problems from getting from flying to Texas and taking a synagogue hostage. I mean, like, the FBI shouldn't exist at this point. Like, what, what, if you can't do that, if you can't perform the basic functions of law enforcement, like stopping terrorists from entering the country, literal jihadists from entering the country, yeah. like, what are you good for? What are you doing with all this taxpayer dollars? Billion, tens of billions of taxpayer dollars a year. You can't stop a terrorist, a, a literal Islamist terrorist, from taking a synagogue hostage in Fort Worth, Texas. My right. gosh. And every yeah, time I, with these people. It's, there, it's disgusting. There needs to, there, there, there needs to be a, a thorough... I mean, there, I think the, the rank-and-file FBI agents are good, hardworking people, but, they, but the FBI leadership needs to be... like There needs to be a thorough cleaning of the, F, of, 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 of the FBI's leadership and, you know, and, and sort of like rebuild the FBI in a way so like, this episode doesn't happen again. Um. And so, and the other, the other, I think a key point here um, with officers is the fact that the, the synagogue didn't have a security guard, a guard, because they just couldn't, they couldn't afford it. Yeah. And so, I think synagogue, I think every synagogue now, and, 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 this is, and I think this, is, I think the unfortunate thing is that ever since uh, the Pittsburgh shooting, um, in 2018, like I think Jews have known that like they're coming to a synagogue, like we're we're target, we're target. Yeah. Um. And so I think now, you know, especially now, it, it, it's like every synagogue needs armed security. And I, I think now those that go to synagogue too, it, it's like it need to need to carry firearms themselves, you know, because we can't trust the you know the law enforcement to always protect us, yeah. you know. So like we need, we need to be able to protect ourselves. And it's sad that you know, that we can't go to a place of worship with and, and, and without feeling like we're we're in danger. But that's unfortunately the, the world we live to, live in right now. And so, you know, it's like the Jewish community, like we all need to arm up, you know, take take act, take matters to our own hands, and I mean, and protect ourselves because this, we can't rely on others to do it for us. This is Texas, man. <laughs> this is Fort Worth. This is Fort Worth, Texas, exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. This isn't this isn't this isn't disputed territory in Judea and Samaria. I mean, this is Texas, man. If the Islamists yeah. can can reach. Jewish communities in Fort Worth, Texas in 2022. It's like, my goodness, man. And it's like, I mean, I, I, I carry a gun everywhere. I, I carry a gun to church, you know, every mm-hmm. week. And, you know, because churches yeah, seldom, but can be targets too. But it's like, yeah, I, I don't think the majority of Americans and majority of like church going Christians understand what Jews have to go through on a, on a weekly basis. I mean, like, I, there's not a lot of Christians who are worried going to church every week and making sure they pack heat. And, you know, there's not mm-hmm. a lot of churches that have armed security and they, cause they don't need it. It's not something that happens. It's not something on the minds of most people. And I, I don't think a lot of people understand that it's da- I mean, it's dangerous to, to go to synagogue, you know, it's, it's, it, it's tragic. And I don't think a lot of people understand the stress that American Jews, I mean, Jews globally, but even in, <laughs> my goodness, the middle of red state Texas have to deal with on a weekly basis. It's not, 
it's insane that we are still having this conversation about how all synagogues need armed security and people need to get concealed carry licenses to you know and, and carry every week. It's like, man, this this is not a conversation we should be having, and but we are here. We are. I mean, this yeah. Uh, some things I unfortunately never change apparently. Right. Yeah, and I don't understand. Like, it's not even. It's not just shootings that that we have to be concerned about. It's just it's even just walking down the street, you know, wearing Jewish paraphernalia. Like in in New York, in New York City, it feels like every it feels like every other week there's a, a, there's some story about um somebody who's who's a religious Jew, or or, or just wearing like a Star of David or IDF sweatshirt, you know, getting getting assaulted like on the streets in New York City. And it doesn't get a whole lot of coverage outside of like some local media there and certain Jewish publications, you know, because a lot of those assailants in in New York City, they they happen to be, you know, from minorities. Um, And I I don't necessarily know why that is exactly. I mean, maybe maybe it's just Farrakhan ideology. But but the the point is, the fact it's not white supremacy that's behind those assaults is the reason why it sort of goes under the radar. And the New York Times even admitted that in, in an article like two or three years ago. Um, there's like, yeah, like, is it covered because it's not white supremacy? Um, and it's the same, it's the same deal here with, with, with the shooter, um, because he was an Islamist and, you know, when the shootings happened in Pittsburgh and, and Habat of Poway, um, those were white supremacists. Those got wall to wall coverage. There's a lot of blame. There's a lot of uh, bashing of Trump and, and the far right because that's what the media likes to do. Um, but when it comes to anti-Semitism that, that comes from other sources, whether it's from Islamists or from, you know, Farrakhan supporters or whatever else. Like, it, it doesn't get the same sort of coverage because, you know, the, the media likes to on the right. And they can't do that when it, when it comes from other sources of anti-Semitism. And it's, it, it, it's, it, it's frustrating because um, it, it, it really is like pulling teeth to try and get people to, uh, to really you know, pay attention to what's going on. And I think a lot of that's not, it's not just because of politics, but because... Jewish community is just so small. It's like worldwide, you know, there, it's, you know, just worldwide Jewish population is 14 million people. You know, like that's, I mean, Bella Hadid, you know, who's a celebrity, uh, has like 45 million Instagram followers. So, I mean, just to put that in perspective, you know, and, and, and she has like live streams of herself chanting for the members to the sea, Palestine will be free. What does she call her genocide? Um, but, and, and, you know, 14 million Jews, like, we, I mean, I was invest, most of us know that, you know, but the rest of the world doesn't, and we're outnumbered by a lot. So, I mean, that's just, you know, it's... To put that in perspective, there's 12 million people in Ohio. Yeah, exactly. So you're talking about the global Jewish population is slightly larger than the state of Ohio. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and people don't understand, like, obviously when you hear people, you know, in America, you know, Farrakhan or somebody like that... <laughs> drop their insane, like, Rothschilds conspiracy theories, yeah. you know, Jewish space lasers, and uh, that city councilman in D.C. said Jews control the world. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and we laugh at it, and we make fun of it, but it's like, people don't understand, especially in the Islamic world, these conspiracy theories are, are rampant. They I are. mean, it's a large, significant percentage. I'm not saying all these people act on it and become jihadis, but, like, these, these anti-Semitic conspiracies are rampant. I mean, they're commonplace in islamic societies across the world it, it's not it's not just a few friends it's not like it is here where it's just like a few fringe crazy people that follow lewis farrakhan i mean th- these conspiracies are rampant um in the middle east and beyond i mean that you know obviously this terrorist was a british national 
Exactly. And people don't understand that, like, like Iran, for instance, like, they spread, they spread Holocaust you know, like every day, like, like full on like Nazi propaganda, yeah. you know, that that comes from that regime every day. Um, but it, it, it is becoming a growing problem, and and the American Muslim community here in the U.S. and one of the stories I wrote about last week was that there there's a Duke, there's a Duke professor who, who who's a Muslim. And he was saying, you know, like this, this is a growing problem in our community. And he pointed to Ilhan Omar saying, you know, it's all the Benjamins, baby, you know, a couple of years ago. And also more recently, Zahra Bilu, who is the head of the Bay Area chapter of CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, saying this is December. So like it's like like not I mean, so like pretty recently she was saying she was telling um, uh, she was telling a conference of Muslims that Zionist synagogues are the enemy. So it's, it's, it's Zionism. So Zionism, the idea that Jews have the right to self-determination. 95, 97% of Jews believe in that, believe in Zionism. So when she says Zionist synagogues, she's basically putting a target on every synagogue in, in, in America. And, you know, I, I'm not saying this guy, this terrorist, like, heard that and was like, oh, boy, I better go after synagogue. But when you make statements like that, I mean, it shouldn't be all surprising that synagogue was targeted, you know, about a month later. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and more people need to wake up to, to, to or more, or people need to wake up to this. But again, it's, it's like I said, like, it's like pulling teeth to try and, and get the mainstream media to cover, you know, the, to, to, to cover these issues. Obviously, this is all bigger than American politics or anything sure no, it's a course. global problem but it's like when it comes to you know like how the the democratic party refused to condemn ilhan omar for any of the various comments she's yeah. made over the years and they they did that the blanket oh we condemn all hate islamophobia and yeah it's like i gotta think that it's just the fact that jews aren't a large voting block i mean i just th- i think it's just that a numbers game man like i think that you know the anti-Semitism on the left, I just think they're just not scared of being voted out of office by Jews because there's not enough Jews. You know, like, I yeah, think if, I, if... I think you're probably right. Like, if Jews were, like, you know, Catholics or something, like 20% of the American population, I think things would, would be a lot different. They wouldn't be able to sweep the stuff under the rug. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And, and I think that and it also shows that the, the fact is that, that, that the Democrat leadership in the House is so scared of the squad. That because the squad, I mean, they they are the I mean, we make fun of the squad a lot for good reason, but but they are the base of the Democratic Party right now. Yeah. And 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 the you other know, in positions of power, like Ilhan Omar serves in the House Foreign Affairs Committee. So what she calls Bananas, Israel the apartheid state, like it, 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 you know, <laughs> that matters because she serves in, in a you know on a committee where she actually has power to do something, and, that, and that's scary. Yeah. You know, that's because she doesn't do it. Doesn't like she can remove her at any time, and she doesn't. It, you know, it, instead, she's like posing on the cover of Washington magazine with the rest of the squad members because Pelosi is a political creature and she, and she knows that if she goes with Ohan Omar, that she is, you know, that she could face sort of a, a, you know, a rebellion from the base. And she doesn't want that. And in the end, and, and Pelosi's somebody who is, I, I, who, I, you know, she is known in pro Israel circles as being pro Israel, so to speak. But I mean, but, but but she's not willing to sort of like put her money where her mouth is when it 
when it comes to like rebuking her own, really her own base. And so, and I think the same goes for Chuck Schumer too, who has been very quiet recently. I'll talk about this, but just in general, like he seems, he's sort of like on MIA and that's kind of interesting, but um, I mean, it's, it's a Democrat leadership is not doing what it needs to do to sort of like rid itself of the party's anti-Semitism problem. Man, I've had a uh, Dove Hikend on the show a few times. Great guy. If you, if you want to see a man get fired up, just mention Chuck Schumer's name. So <laughs> yeah. Dove will. Yep. He just goes. I mean, he he just he can't stand the guy, for obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he just he really takes Schumer to task, man. And and I get and I get why you know because you know Schumer's Jewish, you know, and he does nothing to to protect Jews even even in his home state of New York where I'd have to imagine what the majority of anti-Semitic attacks happen in New York City at this point that's like what's a, well it, it seems it's well I, I don't know exactly how much occurred how, how much what percentage of anti-Semitic attacks occur in New York City but it seems like it's it's a lot um and, and I'd also I'd also point out that in 2015 Chuck Schumer was against the Iran deal but didn't actively work to drum up opposition to it within his own party. I mean, that is the height of cowardice right there. Yeah. You know, it's like you want to have his cake and eat, and eat it too. Like, it, the dude is just, for him, it's just all about politics. I think right now, he's afraid of AOC primarying him. Yeah. And, and, and that's should, what makes a lot of his behavior. He should be, I think. He should, no, he should be. And, and also, Don't Fake Kind does so much great work with, in terms of fighting anti Semitism. I mean, I, a couple weeks ago, like I was writing about how, like, the, thanks to his work, uh, Amazon removed 26 Nazi films from from, from their platform. Like, that's, you know, I, I mean, it, it's hard to believe that like Nazi films were were available for purchase on Amazon. You know, yeah, but apparently that that was the case in 2022. And don't think it's still fake kind. Like, it's it's yeah, it's still fake kind. That's it's Amazon, gone. Amazon, they ban, they'll ban like conservative books. And they had like yeah. Nazi, Nazi propaganda. <laughs> oh, exactly. I didn't, like, I didn't it, know it, that. It, that's that's. Insane. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, because it, it, it didn't get a lot of coverage outside of outside of Jewish publications. But see, like this, this is what I'm talking about. It, it's like we're such a small, such small percentage of the population that like stories like that, like that, I, I should have been big news everywhere. But I mean, outside of like you know, like me writing about it and a couple other Jewish publications, it, it, it didn't get much coverage. Yeah, I mean, that's um, the thing, man. When it comes to this, you know, I, you you're cover story was great in Jewish Journal last thank you. week. You're, I mean, you're a terrific writer, obviously. But thank it's you, like, thank you. I, in a sane world, wouldn't, like, I don't know, like the LA Times or somebody be contacting you to, to write a cover story about this? Like, why does it have you would to think, be, yeah. Why does it have to just be in Jewish Journal? I mean, that seems preposterous. I mean, this was a terrorist attack on, on against innocent people in on American soil. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't some, like, local story or, or whatever. I mean, take like, I mean, take religion out of it. Take the identities of anybody out of it. It was a foreign national on a terrorist watch list entering the country and holding a religious community hostage. I mean, this is like not any if if the situation was different in any way, this would have been like front page news. 100 percent. Well, yeah, 100 percent. I mean, the LA Times, I mean, that's. I mean, the LA Times is basically the New York Times and the West Coast, so. Right. <laughs> right. 
That's fair. Aaron, my brother, we're way over time, so I got to let you go. But <laughs> thank you for doing this, man. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Where can everybody uh, read your stuff and follow you online and all that good stuff? Yeah, you can read my stuff at jewishjournal.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at, at, uh, at Benner's Banter. Uh, for you have me on Brady, uh, you know, it could give me the time, the extra time to talk about this because you know, it's important. Oh, anytime, my brother. Um, everybody follow Aaron. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Thank you.